The scripture lesson for today is Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 through 23. Now, at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. For he realized it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream I had about him. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governors again said to them, Which of the two men do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. The word of God for the people of God. Well, today I want to share with you the story of one of my spiritual heroes. Today I want to tell you the story of a man named Maximilian Kolbe. Max Kolbe was born in Poland in 1894. As a young boy growing up in Poland, there wasn't anything all that remarkable about little Max. There wasn't anything that set him aside from the other kids in Sunday school until one day when little Max made a decision. Nobody remembers exactly why. Nobody knows the details of what happened. But for some reason, one day, little Max Kolbe decided that he was going to offer his life in service to God. And unlike a lot of promises that little boys make, Max kept that promise. He, he followed through on the commitment that he made. When he was old enough, he studied for the priesthood and he became a monk. But Max didn't want to be one of those monks who takes a vow of silence. In fact, just the opposite. The day he became Father Max, Max Kolbe decided that he wanted to share God's love with his country, with the entire country. And so he started a newspaper and he started a radio station. And after a few years of hard work, suddenly Max Kolbe, Father Max, found that he was leading a a nationwide religious revival. Back in the 1930s, Max Kolbe was something like a a polar. Polish Catholic Billy Graham, if you can imagine such a thing. But maybe you can see where this story is headed. Everything changed in 1939. In 1939, Hitler invaded Poland, and as Nazi tanks and Nazi troops were pouring into his country, Father Max made a decision. He decided to publish one last edition of his newspaper. He decided to write one last article. He wrote about truth. He wrote about good and evil. He wrote about justice, and he wrote about God's love. And that article, that one last article he published, was enough to get him arrested. And Father Max was taken to the concentration camp at Auschwitz. And the day he walked through the gates of the concentration camp at Auschwitz, Father Max looked around and he made a decision. He decided that he was going to shine as a candle of God's love in that dark and evil place. And that's just what he did. It wasn't long before the guards and the other prisoners noticed that there was something different about this prisoner. There was something different about Father Max. He got just as much torture and taunting as all of the other prisoners. But no matter what the guards did, no matter how he was tortured or taunted, they never were able to break 
like Father Max's spirit. He continued to remain the same joyful and generous and, and cheerful and kind person he was the day he walked through the gates. On, on days when there were meals, the other prisoners would push and shove and throw elbows to try to get in the line to make sure that they got some meals, got some food, but not Father Max. Father Max would hang back and he would let everyone else go through the line in front of him to, to make sure that everyone else made, ate, even if it meant that he didn't get any food himself. And Father Max was always leading people in singing and he was always leading people in prayer. Father Max shined as a, a candle in that dark and evil place. And then one day, early in the morning, the camp commander had the guards drag all the prisoners out of bed, and he had them line up in the parade ground. And the camp commander walked up and down the line, and then he looked out over all the prisoners, and he made an announcement. He said, last night, three prisoners escaped, he said. And as a punishment and as a warning, ten of you are going to die. And then he had the guards pull ten random prisoners out of the line. And as those ten prisoners were being dragged away, one of the men cried out. He cried out, my poor children, my poor wife, they're never going to see me again. And while all of the other prisoners looked down at the ground and thanked God that they were going to live another day, Father Max made a decision. And he stepped forward and he looked at the camp commander and he spoke up. He said, I would like to die in that man's place. He said, I'd like to trade places with him. I'd like to die so that he might live. And the cap commander thought about it for a moment, and he nodded his head. And so the guards released the one man, and they dragged Father Max and the other nine prisoners away. Not long after that, Father Max was killed. The guards who oversaw his execution later said that he was leading the other prisoners in singing and in prayers right up until the very end. And the guards never forgot Father Max and the way that he lived and the way that he died. The other prisoners never forgot about him. They kept his story alive. They kept his light alive. And I'm so glad that they did because I love that story. I am always so inspired when I hear that story. I am always so challenged when I hear that story. Whenever I hear the story of Father Max and what he did at the very end, I always, I always wonder how on earth was he able to do it? Where does that kind of faith come from? Where does that sort of courage come from? How was Father Max able to trade his life for the life of a stranger when I most days have a hard enough time just being nice to the people that I live with? Where, where does that kind of faith come from? Because you know and I know that that kind of faith, it doesn't come easily to us and it doesn't come naturally to us. The way of Jesus doesn't come easy. That's what this morning's scripture reading is about. In today's scripture reading, we have a story that comes from the very last days of Jesus' earthly ministry. As we pick up the story today, we discover Jesus standing in a courtyard in front of a crowd of people. And Jesus is standing next to another man who is also named Jesus. And that might seem to us like a strange coincidence. It might seem odd to us that there would be two men named Jesus. But the truth is, it wasn't that unusual at all. Back in the time of Jesus, there were lots of other people who were also named Jesus. In every kindergarten class back then, there would have been six or seven little little Jesuses running around. It would have been hard to keep them straight. Why were there so many Jewish men and boys named Jesus back then? It's because in Hebrew, the word Jesus, the name Jesus means God is salvation. It means God will save us. And that is exactly what the Jewish people were praying that God would do. Decades before their, their nation, their city had been invaded by the mighty Roman Empire. The Romans ruled through violence and intimidation and fear. And after years of suffering, after decades, 
decades of humiliation, the Jewish people were ready to be set free. They were ready for God to send them a hero, to send them a savior, to send them a Messiah, somebody who would lead a revolution and drive all of those Romans back to Rome. And so many Jewish parents, when they had their firstborn son, would look down into the cradle and they would name that boy Jesus as a way of praying that God would save the nation, as a way of saying, maybe this boy, maybe my own child will be the one who grows into a man who leads our people to freedom. Maybe this is the boy. That's what Jesus Barabbas's parents were thinking. That's what they were hoping when they named their little boy Jesus. And when he was growing up, Jesus Barabbas did everything he could to live up to those expectations. As a boy, he learned how to hate the Romans. As a child, he learned how to throw rocks at Roman soldiers and then duck away down the alleyways. When he got older, he learned how to hide a dagger in the folds of his robe. He learned how to handle and carry a sword. And then one day, something happened. He was in a crowd, and a riot broke out. And when the dust settled, a Roman was dead, and there was Jesus Barabbas with blood on his hands. And so he was arrested. And they threw him in a cell, and that's where he was. He was in a cell waiting for the day of his execution to come when all of a sudden guards burst into the cell, dragged him out of the cell, took him to a courtyard, and stood him in front of a crowd next to this other man who was also named Jesus. And then Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, held up his hands and called for quiet. And when the crowd had settled down, he called out to the people. He said, I want you to know that the emperor is benevolent and merciful. In order to show how kind he can be today, I am going to release one of these prisoners. I am going to give one of these prisoners back to you. Which of these men do you want? Do you want Jesus Barabbas or do you want Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus who is called the Messiah? And of course, we know what happened next. And for 2,000 years now, scholars and historians have been trying to figure out why the crowds called out for Barabbas. Why they cried out, crucify him, crucify him, when Pilate asked, what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? People have got all sorts of theories about what happened that day. Some people say that the, the enemies of Jesus, the religious leaders, bribed the people to cheer for Barabbas. Some people say that maybe the enemies of Jesus packed all of their own supporters into that courtyard so that the followers of Jesus couldn't get in and and make their voices heard. There are lots of theories about how the enemies of Jesus might have rigged the vote that day, and maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe those stories are are accurate, but it's always occurred to me that that we we don't need conspiracy theories to explain what happened in the courtyard that day. We don't need elaborate theories about bribes or about vote rigging. All we really need to know in order to understand what happened that day is this. There was a crowd of people, and they looked up, and they saw that they had a choice between two Jesuses. And one of those Jesuses called for them to love their enemies, and the other one promised to kill their enemies. One of those Jesuses called for them to carry the cross, and the other one called for them to pick up a sword. One of those Jesuses offered the way of the kingdom. The other one offered the way of this world. And if there is anything that you and I have learned in our years here on earth, it is hard to choose the way of Jesus. It does not come naturally or easy for us to choose the way of Jesus. It is so much easier to choose the way of this world. We don't need any theories to explain what happened in the courtyard that day. That was just people being people. That was just people doing what they do in making the choices they make. And that brings us back to the story of Father Max and the question I asked a few minutes ago. In a world where so many people find it so much easier to choose Barabbas, how was it possible that Father Max was able to make the decision that he made? Where did that faith come from? How was he able to do what he did? 
I've been wrestling with that question this, this week, trying to figure out why, why he was able to be so courageous and so faithful when it counted. It got me thinking of the conversations I've had with some of my spiritual heroes. I've been thinking about some of those people who I look up to, some of those people who, who seem close to God, some of those people who have the deepest and strongest faith. I've been thinking about conversations that I've had with them. And as I've been thinking about those people I know who seem to have a deep and powerful faith, I realize that there's something that they tell me over and over again when I ask them how they keep their faith alive and how they make their faith grow. One of the things that they tell me over and over again is that they begin their day, they start their morning with a conversation with God. They begin their morning with a a time of devotion, with a little bit of talking and listening to God. Some people spend an hour or two in conversation with God as they start their day. Some people spend a minute or two in conversation with God as they start their day. So many of the people who I consider to be spiritual giants walking among us will tell you the way that they make their faith grow, the way that they keep their faith alive is by making a decision at the beginning of every day that they are going to walk in the way of Jesus. And that got me thinking about Father Max. And I realized that it's not any mystery why Father Max was able to do the things that he did. The truth is, if we want to understand why Father Max died the way he died, all we need to do is take a look at the way he lived. And when Father Max offered to give his life for the life of someone else, he was only making a decision that he had already made a thousand times before. As a boy, he decided that he was going to offer his life in ministry and service to God. As a young man, he decided that he was going to offer God's love to his nation. When he could have saved his life by keeping silent, he chose to speak. When his enemies tried to take his voice from him, he chose to sing over and over and over again. He decided to offer his life to God. And when that moment came, when that was a life or death decision, there was no hesitation. Hesitation. His heart already knew what to do. We don't suddenly make that kind of faith materialize when we need it. We nurture that faith day after day in a thousand small ways with a thousand small decisions. So the question I want to ask you today is, what do you think you would do if you were put in Father Max's shoes? What would you do in that moment when walking in the way of Jesus was suddenly a life or death decision? The answer is probably in the way that you're living today. The answer is in the way that you behave when you go to the church potlucks during Lent. Do you push your way to the front of the line? Do you take the last piece of that beautiful dessert? Do you bring something cheap and hope somebody puts something expensive on the table? The way that we behave at church potlucks, the way that we drive down I-75, the way that we treat our coworkers and the people we live with probably tells us everything we need to know about what we would do if we were ever put in a life-or-death Jesus or Barabbas type decision. I will tell you, this thing about starting each day with a conversation with God, this is someplace I really struggle in my walk with God. I'm not a natural morning person. I'm not even an unnatural morning person. I'm the guy who knows exactly how many times I can hit the snooze button before I'm going to be late for my very first appointment. And lately, lately I've been wondering what my choices would be like, what my conversations would be like, what my life would be like if I started each day with a little bit more intention. If I started each day by even taking 15 seconds to decide to walk in the way of Jesus, what would my life be like if I put a Bible next to the snooze button so that every time I hit that snooze button, I reminded myself who I am and who I belong to? What if I taped a card to the mirror in the bathroom so I would see it when I brushed my teeth each morning? What if I put a pebble in my shoe so that every time I put on my shoes in the morning, I was reminded that I want to walk in the way of Jesus? How would our lives be different if we started each day by taking 15 seconds to decide that we want to walk in the way of Jesus? There's really only one way to find out. Let's pray.
God, we pray that you would strengthen our faith so it will be there when we need it. God, we pray that you would give us the courage to be faithful in a thousand small decisions each day. So when that moment comes when you need us to be a candle in a dark and evil place, we will be ready to shine. God, we give you thanks for the people who inspire us, the wisdom they have shared with us. And we pray that someday we would live in a way that they tell stories about us too. In Jesus we pray. Amen.